Welcome to Texas, bitch. Welcome episode of the Chain Every Podcast, you sandbagging sons of bitches. It is me, Shane Irving. Hammer, thanks so much for joining us. How the hell are you? It's my pleasure, Chef. <laughs> I'm doing good, man. How are you doing? Oh, fucking awful. Everything's falling apart. Nothing is real. Uh, had a long weekend. Really? Oh, yeah, dude. I didn't tell you. I didn't tell you. I went down to North Carolina this weekend. I watched. So I drove to North Carolina with a buddy of mine from work. I sent my dog. I have an English Labrador named Jack. We sent him down to get on the guns, and my buddy has a German short-haired pointer, right? So he's got a pointer. I've got a lab. We sent them both down to this redneck farm in North Carolina, in the middle of nowhere, Hammer, and to get him trained on the guns for pheasant hunting. And maybe duck if we feel like it, a pheasant, quail, shit like that. And it's been two months. I ain't seen my dog in two months, and, and my dog's not even two yet, right? He's a... Uh, He's like one and a half. He was one and a half when I sent him down. He's all, he'll be two in December. So I drove down. We left Friday morning. We got there late Friday night. A, a whole weird thing happened. But then we drove back the next day. So I was in the vehicle for 20 hours and 48. And I watched the Longhorns game on the iPhone, on the Hulu, on the dash of the vehicle we were driving. While we were driving live, you know, watching, I mean, this is like the future I always wanted, right? You can now watch live TV on your phone and it comes in crystal clear, even in nowhere, North Carolina, all the way up through Pennsylvania and all that shit. But that's how I watched the Longhorns and we'll get to that later. But that's how I watched the Longhorns game. Uh, but it was, it was awful. That, the drive, the trip, everything. I'm happy to see the dog. He seems ready to go hunting, but. Uh, the- yeah, I was going to ask, does it seem like he. Knows what he's doing now. He's, I mean, I haven't. I ain't took him out of the guns yet, but he seems he seems more confident. I'll tell you that. You haven't shot your gun on your property in no, the last couple not of in the last forty eight yeah. hours. I am a communist, essentially well, anti American communist. You've re- you've really changed. <laughs> you've really changed. <laughs> Something happened to you, man. But you've grown up. I grown up. But I did go to. I did go to a bar in Eden, North Carolina. Bar is a good, bar is a bad word. I went to a club in Eden, North Carolina called the Rabbit Hole. And I found this club on Google Maps. I searched for bars because it was like 10 o'clock at night and there's no food available unless you're drinking, right? So we pull up to this place called the Rabbit Hole. And I, I know you've seen Justified. We used, we used to talk about that show, Justified, all the time. Um, so we pull up in this dingy residential shitbox neighborhood and pull up to a brick building, maybe 1,200 square feet, maybe, in the whole building. And me and my buddy from work, two gringos, by the way, walk up to the front door to go into this place called the Rabbit Hole because we're trying to get maybe some chicken wings and beer, you know. And on the front door, first off, all the windows are blacked out. You can't see inside anything. It's a storefront. It looks like a storefront. All the windows are blacked out. And there's a white cardboard 
on the outside of the front door that says, only use the back door. Not kind of place, right? <laughs> what, kind of bar, what kind of bar is this? It's called the rabbit hole, by the way. Uh, yeah, what is the rabbit so, hole? Right, mean? right. so I'm, I got my wits about me at this point. I'm like, hold on, man. Hold on, what's going on here? So we go around back, and on the back, there's a whole other sign that says, you know, DJ, who gives a shit, is playing tonight, $5 cover charge, must be a club member to get in. And so I look at my buddy, I look at me, and like, we're not club members, but I mean, who really gives a shit, right? So we open the door, and we walk in the door, and Hammer, it was like, it was like if Dirty Dancing failed the grades nine to 12 and fell down a well and woke up with fetal alcohol syndrome. It was the craziest situation that I'd been in sober. I was sober, mind you, because we were driving the whole time. Sober in a long, long time. It was a dirty dancing rec center in the middle of Eden, North Carolina. I mean, people were, there was like fastidious. What word should I use here? Aggressive grinding and miming of sex acts and no food anywhere. And it was very inappropriate. I did not want to be there much longer than the time I was there because there was no food. But it was a shit show, man. Eat in North Carolina. So we got out of there about as quick as we got in. Um, went to some Mexican restaurant and drank tequila and ate some uh, fajitas. But uh, that worked out. But it was weird. The rabbit hole. Oof. Don't go to the rabbit hole. If anybody asks you, do not go. What? So what's the deal with belonging to the club? Is that like a no idea. North Carolina thing? But I don't know. They didn't ask us like if we were members or like to see our cars. They were just like, where's your $5 cover charge? We walked in and we're like, we're fucking paying for this shit, man. $5 cover charge. Fuck this. We're out of here. Shit is weird as hell. And we left. But I guess there's a membership. There's a club. I thought it was like a swingers party, you know? I thought I was going to walk into some weird shit, some like, uh, you know, eyes wide shut shit or something. But no, that didn't happen. I kind of thought the story was going to end where you're missing a kidney. <laughs> right, right, right. Missing a kidney and needing therapy? I don't, I don't, I don't yeah. I, I guess I was, it was my fault. It was, it was my fault. No. <laughs> not your fault. No, not my fault. It's never my fault. Uh, anyway, thanks for hearing that dumb story. We got some headlines. We got some questions. We got some voicemails. Producer John is on the horn with us. Thank Christ. Um, I think we got to get a few things out of the way right off the bat. Cowboys and Longhorns. But Hammer, why did Dak start? Is it just the money and the eyes for Jerry? Or what what was the what was the benefit of Dak starting against the Lions at home? Well, I'm assuming that he was cleared. It's a big assumption. I guess the question is at what point was it was he cleared before the Eagles? Exactly. Exactly right. I, so, so if he was, then I see why you hold him out against the uh-huh. Eagles. I, uh, I think maybe they started him because they thought it'd be an easy opponent, get a couple, you know, easier games before the bye week. I think I think that back. he was cleared before the Eagles game, just between you and me and, and our and our loyal listeners. I think he was cleared before the Eagles game, <laughs> and they didn't want to put him out there and, and watch him get fucking roasted or hurt, right? So they held him back. And the only reason they started him with the Lions game 
was to show that he was still capable. I don't think that we needed to start him. I don't think it made any sense to start him. I mean, if you look at the box score on what the Cowboys did, it was essentially the essentially it was essentially the Cooper Rush game plan with a couple more passes, right? They didn't Dak didn't get to cook or whatever the fuck you want to call it. The defense showed up in a big way, five turnovers, even though we only won 24 to 6, five takeaways. Thank God. And we ran the damn ball. And Tony Pollard looked good. Zeke looked good enough to get a touchdown and a couple other things. But this defense will travel. We know that. But starting Dak, why? What's the point? Where, what's the benefit? What's the reason? That was a Cooper Rush start. And I think they all should be Cooper Rush starts. Don't get me wrong. But let's hold them back for a real team, right? The Bears are even a better team than the Lions. Much better after what happened last night. But – why put him against that Detroit? Why? What's the fucking benefit? What is the benefit besides eyes on the Cowboys, which is what Jerry always needs? <clears throat> Do you think if Cooper Rush would have shown better against the Eagles, maybe maybe not, you know, won the game, but didn't throw three picks? Yes. Say he had one dumb pick. Yep. And we lost, like, on the last drive, they would have played Cooper Rush. Yes, I do. But they felt like maybe because yes. Cooper had such a bad game that it was it was time to make the change. Exactly. And they didn't want and – they, yeah. and they did not want to see – they didn't want to see a, a, a revolution from the fan base, right? And I think a lot of people would have had a revolution from the from if, if, hmm. if Cooper would have started and played badly. Just imagine if Cooper started that game and played bad. Yeah, that would have been that would have been, been really bad. People would have been freaking the fuck out about that. I just I'm scared to death that Kellen is going to let Dak air it out again. I do not want to see it happen. I'm scared to death of making it a reality, and I think it's a big fucking issue. But he didn't look good. Let, let's let's call a spade a spade. He did not look good at all. He looked off. Yeah. He was missing throws. He didn't. Yeah, he didn't look on. Mm -hmm. He took that sack on yeah. third and five at like the thirty or thirty-five, where you just can't do no. that. You know, no. made the punt. It's bad. He, he didn't look good. I, I'm not more confident now than I was a week ago at all. Are you? I mean, are you confident in Dak right now? I've never been confident. In Whoa! Dak, you know wow. <laughs> I, I've always been a. I've always been a. Always been a Dak hater. I. I I'm not a Dak hater. I just don't think he's worth the money that we pay. No, that's different. That's a different story. I I, I tend to agree with you there. He's looking like a, a cheap son of a bitch. He's looking like a we got a good deal on him right about now, considering what Deshaun Watson got, what fucking Russell Wilson got. Looks like we got off cheap. Yeah. But Dak threw it 25 times. Yeah. Dak threw it 25 times for 207 yards, 19 for 25, 207. And we ran the ball twenty-eight times, twenty-eight designed runs for a buck fifty, buck forty. I mean, that is a Cooper Rush game plan, which we need to stick to. But only putting up twenty-four points against that Lions defense. And the Lions defense, by the way, is one of the worst rushing defenses in the fucking league. And the fact that we had I don't know how many plays in the red zone where Dak had to fucking air it out. I I, I still am not happy with Kellen Moore. I still do not think that the penalties are going to fix themselves, and I still don't think that Dak is – I just – I don't trust him right now. I don't trust him with that thumb. I just fucking don't. And I think the Bears game is going to be a big fucking challenge. 
You do? I do. It's a nine-point spread right now. I don't give a fuck what that says. I think that defense is legitimate, and I think that Justin Fields is going to give our defense fits. I mean, we couldn't stop Daniel Jones from running for seven fucking first downs against us. Jalen Hurts had his way with us as well. I think if they have a good offensive coordinator who wakes the fuck up over there, we could be in fifth. I'm not looking forward to it at all. Well, I think I think teams are using our speed and aggressiveness against exactly. us. They're, they're and you know, I mean, that's that's football, though, right? I mean, they they figured out Dak's whole thing last year and the year before, Correct. right? You know, drop drop seven, make them, you know go to his third read and that's his kryptonite. Mm-hmm. Well, now it's, you know, on the, on the other side of the ball with our strength now is our defense. And man, I think that, I think teams are, you know, they're either going to run right at Micah on like, yeah. others. I think they're definitely going to do it this yeah. week. They're going to run zone read and RPOs off. Yeah. Them and then, yeah. Well, you know, they, they love that we rush up field and we're so aggressive because they can, you know, run screen games and things like that. But still, I mean, this defense is legit. It's legit as fuck. I mean, to, to the Cowboys front office credit, which you don't hear a lot on this show, but boom, boom, uh, they made a move and brought in Jonathan Hankins from LA, uh, from Vegas, the D lineman, the big old fucking run stopper, big son of a bitch. They made a trade and got him in, which is exactly what this defense needs. They cannot stop the run and haven't been able to stop the run this year. And they got a big old fat boy right in the middle. Thank God. That's a good thing. That's a big fucking move. Now I appreciate that shit. That's what we need. Now the the, the Bears got a couple good fucking running backs. And, and Hankins is going to have to put his fucking work in real quick. But that's a big move for the Cowboys front office. Hats off to them. <clears throat> did you see the Eagles went and got Robert I Quinn? did. I fucking saw that too. I did. It's a good move for them. Yeah, it's not bad. The dude still got some gas in the fucking tank. Somehow. 12 years in the league. He's 32. 12 years. He was good when he was a Cowboy. Yeah, he was. I mean, he was... He was He's he been was hopping around the last couple of years. He's been hopping around the last couple of years. Huh? Yeah, yes. Uh, well. well, I mean, I think in general, though, Shay, if you look back at our first... I don't know, maybe it was our first episode on the reunion tour. Hey, we... I think I... We, we at this point... I had said we we would have three or four losses. We only have two. Fair. Fair. And we would play with our, our backup quarterback for most of the season. Fair. So, you know, with that as the context of our expectations, I'd say we're doing pretty good. I would agree with you there, but I did not expect the Eagles to be doing this good. Or the Giants. So that's the caveat, right? I still had us at the top of the division down, you know, with the three or four loss uh, record right now. I didn't think the Eagles were going to be doing what they're doing right now. Did you? No, I also thought that the uh, the Rams would be better. Yeah, same. Way better. You know, I thought we'd have a tougher game with those guys. I'm trying to think what the other game is. I thought we would have lost it. We, we ended up winning. But, yeah, the, it's the East, right? And, I know. And I know. the Seahawks, everyone else in the NFC is – the Niners? You know, Niners? 500 or below. Niners? Are they? Catch a Niner in there? <laughs> uh, anyway, so the Cowboys, still concerned, still uh, fearful for a lot of things, but I'm glad they made the move that they made. We needed to make that move. Uh, let's go on to the, to the bad shit. The, the, the bad shit. The very, very bad shit that I had to watch live 
driving up the fucking highway in West Virginia and Pennsylvania, the Longhorns game. I'm going to let you take it away here, but I got a couple, I got a couple parting thoughts. I, I mean, this is two weeks in a row that Quinn has looked bad to me. And when Quinn looks bad, it looks like this entire team, the offense just falls the fuck apart. What kind of responsibility does Sark have? And I mean, we saw what Debo did in the Syracuse game with bringing in the fucking Texan, the, the freshman, the mm-hmm. freshman Texan. And benching DJ, and then seeing DJ is our guy and all that other shit. But they won that game. What kind of responsibility? I mean, you tell me what the fuck you saw. What the fuck is inside Texas saying? What the fuck happened in practice? What the fuck is going on with Quinn? Where is he going? When is he going to get it back, Hammer? I don't know what's wrong with him. Um, I, I mean, I think last week he saw a very sophisticated drop eight defense that gives most quarterback problems that, I mean, no, fr- I mean, he's a true freshman. He is, he's a true, he's freshman. A true freshman. hundred percent. Technically a red, red shirt, but he's really a true freshman. I don't think he's ever seen a drop eight. I mean, most quarterbacks haven't. It, that's if, like, if you think about like Iowa state, mm-hmm. Arkansas last year, mm-hmm. Like, there's a few teams that can run that defense really well, and he went up against one of them. I think he just – I think it really, you know, fucked him up. Um, he missed a couple throws. Like, I mean, he he couldn't hit the broadside of the He wasn't even <laughs> on the same page with his receivers, though. Like, like that, they were com- – he, he wasn't. Completely yeah. different pages. What the fuck's that about? They practice all week for this shit, I no? Know, man. I Well, I don't think that – well, I think he kept trying to press and push to Xavier Worthy, and I, I don't think that they were bracketing him most of the game, and and I think they were doing some other things to kind of mess with his reads on Xavier Worthy because they know that he wants to go that way. But anyways, I don't think Xavier Worthy is a good like outside deep receiver in general. He just doesn't track the ball well. And if you marry that with whatever happened with Quinn, I don't know if he, he may have got popped the first couple drives and was timid. I don't know, man. At the end of the day, you know, I don't think that Sark should have pulled him for Hudson Card. You don't? No. Wow. Um, I, I, I was at UT when there was a massive – quarterback controversy that split the team, that split the fan base Sims? between major outplay and Chris. Yeah, fucking guy. And that is just, was, was I mean, it, it it effectively cost us a run at the national championship in life. For sure. Um, because, we, you know, that Colorado game. Oh, my God. Fucking Colorado game. Um, I, I think that um, – I mean, you could make the argument to pull a kid like that, but what what I would have liked to have seen instead is to adjust the play calling and plays to where he's at on that day. Okay. Which is what a good court. I I think Steve Sarkeesian's an elite play designer. Sure. I think he is a above average play caller. Right. I can see that. Meaning, he he can he can build an amazing script, which is which is what UT does. They get up early in games 
But situational play calling seems to be a challenge for him. He doesn't get, well, he doesn't pick up on the rhythm of the game. Sometimes he doesn't pick up on um, calling plays that meet where his, where his quarterback is. And, you know, he should have been calling much easier throws instead of continuing to press downfield. And we would have won that football game. I mean, at the end of the day, we lost by a touchdown to a top 11, I don't know what they were, a top 15 team on the road without a functional quarterback in the second. I mean, for three quarters of that game. Right. right. And, you know, I think that's on him. You got to – there's no more moral victories anymore. No shit. Right? You have to find a way to win. And we can – you know, there's a story on this season. Oh, well, we've lost two games to top 12 teams by combined 10 points right. or one score. Right. The Tech game was really the big loss that no one was really counting yeah. on. You know, I think most fans that follow the team thought, all right, this is an 8-4 team, maybe 9-3. and three. Right. 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 We were – this wasn't – all this bullshit in the national media, about like outside chance of oh, playoffs. Oh, my God. Blah, blah, blah. Like – that was just – we had three true freshman offensive linemen at one point in that game and a true freshman quarterback. Right. Like, that's the reality. And there's a lot of good stuff going on, but you, you just got to find a way to win. Sark has to find a way as a coach to coach these guys and build a game plan at the end of the game to win, and these players need to learn how the to win. The fucking penalties, Hammer. The penalties. Terrible. The penalties. This is some Mike McCarthy shit, dude. What was it like? Fourteen penalties to zero? Is that? Am I right? Yeah, I think it's thirteen. But my yeah. fucking god, that's insane. Yeah, most of them were dead ball, yep. pre-snap you know, bullshit, false starts, yep. pre-snap. I mean, there were a couple. There were like the 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 holding call they called at the end when remember when Quinn ran for like yes. thirty yards for first Fuck down? Yes. That yes. that I think it was like a questionable it was call. Questionable. I think maybe there was there was one PI that was like okay, like in the Alabama game that wasn't PI, or in other games, you know. But at the end of the day, we deserved every penalty that we got. It's our fault. Hundred percent. There was this isn't like some conspiracy. No, no, I'm talking about I'm talking about team discipline. It's a bunch of undisciplined exactly. kids. Well, exactly. I, I think they're they they just they really struggle with um, adversity. Road games. I mean. It, well, yeah, they're they're not able to be comfortable when they're uncomfortable. Right, they freak out, man. I mean, well, that's a sign of coaching, is it not? So I don't coaching know. in youth. What I mean, that's a sign of something. That's on Sark. I think it at the end at the end of the day, it's it's all, everything. It's like being the CEO of a company. Like it's it's on you as the head coach, in my opinion. I agree. Now, you know. Sometimes your players like there are a lot there are several throws and plays where I think there were wrong routes that were run totally. in that yeah, game, yeah, yeah. including that first pick yeah. where the players screwed up. But like, man, that's on coach. Like, you got to have teams that. I mean, look, like Kansas State, November fifth, November fifth, Kansas State, like. Those teams win games 
because they're disciplined. They play together with less talent than Texas has. And they, they've, you know, Oklahoma State's beat our ass the last 10 years because of that. So, I don't know, man. I think, like, this is, this is a big, I mean, if, if we don't beat Kansas State on the road, we're five and four. We go home against a, what looks like a pretty good TCU. Very team. good TCU team. Yeah. We, the fear is: is this what is this last, last year? Repeat of last exactly. year. Exactly. Second half. I think the team's a little different. I think I do think the team's different. Um, I think that who was it? One of the local oh, Rod Babers, one of the local guys. He was a DB at UT said and I, and I tend to agree like every position on this team has gotten better sure almost almost every position i mean maybe like dicker the kicker there was a drop off there but um i mean across the board the offensive line's got better defense has got defense has gotten better mm-hmm. right i mean the running back room's amazing um like we're seeing progress we're just you're not getting the win like at some point you just gotta win yeah right yeah you gotta figure it the fuck out, dude. And with the the headwinds that our friends uh forty five minutes to the east and south <laughs> are having <laughs> this is a bad time not to, you know, get a couple wins. And get some recruits. Get some portal. Yeah, get some 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 portal love. Let's and talk about that if we We gotta flip we gotta flip some kids too at the end here. We gotta get some we Texas needs Texas has elite offensive talent. They need elite defensive talent now. Let's talk about uh They got good defensive linemen, yes. but they need linebackers, corners, we need corners, war daddies. Yes. Yeah. And safeties. We need DBU to come back. Can we talk about what happened when A and M played South Carolina? Well, I turned that game on because uh, when Texas loses, the one thing that is in, <laughs> at least makes you feel better is watching the Aggies <laughs> lose later at night. Um, sadly, we're at that point in the season. Um, and so the Aggies were down 17 to 3 or yeah. something. Like, yeah. I remember seeing the score and be like, oh, God. Holy shit, right. They, came, they, they ended up coming back, but. Um, uh, King got hurt, their quarterback, Haynes King, and they put Wegman in, the freshman five-star, and he looked like a freshman. Shocker, uh-huh, right? I mean, uh-huh. the thought that all these people have that, like, you put freshmen like him, Cade Klubnick played, obviously, for Clemson. He was a freshman five-star at a – or no, he's a sophomore. He was at Austin Westlake. You know, these kids, they all look like deer in headlights when they get out there. I think Quinn Ewers finally had that moment you know, two games in a row and people are like, Oh yeah, that guy's human. Well, Connor Wegman's human. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> but, and, uh, South Carolina ends up like, what happened in the end of that game? They ended up like, uh, up by two scores with the ball on A&M's like, you know, 10 yard line, fourth and one with like two and a half minutes left. And they, they went for it. They got stopped. stopped. A&M drove. Yep. Yeah, A&M drove the ball, kicked a field goal, onside kicked, got the ball back, <laughs> and had a couple shots. It was like, this is nuts. <laughs> insanity. Um, insanity, but, you know, I mean, 
Shane Beamer seems to got got a good thing going there. He's got the Rattler. The Rattler. Uh, the Rattler. But, uh, yeah, I guess I, I think it maybe it was before the game. I'd heard it was after, but now maybe it's at, before the game. A couple players, I think it's three or four of them, were caught smoking pot in the locker room. Smoking weed in the locker room. Welcome to college football, baby. So Jimbo had to suspend. Which then leads suspend. What did he do? Well, so but what about this? Like, how did they get it? They either flew with it. Well, they got a hookup. They got a plug, local plug, bitch. Or they got, or they were like on Craig's. I don't know. Knew somebody to get a hookup on in in uh, South Kakalaki. Yeah. Anyways, they're resourceful. <laughs> yeah. So it was. I think. I've seen three names out of the four. Two of them were – one was a five-star. They're all out of the last recruit. And they're all NIL kids, right? 2000, 2000. Uh, It depends how you define NIL. They, they, fair, fair, fair. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they were – Denver Harris was a late flip from Texas yep. to A&M. He was one of the kids. Wasn't he the kid doing the uh, – Chris Marshall. Wasn't he the kid doing the driving too, though? Yep. Yeah, with the the Tokyo Drift shit. Yeah, 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 that that right. thing. Uh, and then Chris Marshall is a wide receiver, and a couple other kids. But yeah, apparently um, things are not going well in the locker room, and there's already rumors of transfer portal. Uh, yeah, well, there's rumors of a couple kids that have left the team already. Yeah. Wow. Jimbo, Jimbo, Jimbo. My, my, my. So you get the highest rated class A&M's ever even heard of, right? Um, by a mile. You spend every tooth, dollar, and nail you can find to get it there. And then we're at what? Week seven? Week six, Week seven? And they're smoking weed in the locker room. On the road. Be careful what you wish for, I guess, right? Well, I think it's the result of mercenary recruiting, mm-hmm. right? Where, mm-hmm. I mean, we talked about this a few weeks ago with that class. You had a bunch of kids that ended up committed that didn't really consider a and to the end of the cycle. And we can all guess why they did. Mm-hmm. So then you have kids that aren't maybe necessarily bought into the school, to the program. They're just there because, you know, in some cases, it's not even them. It's their parents, no right? It's people around totally. them. So in that regard, you know, you feel a little bad for the kids. Um, that, I think that's the interesting part is with, with that, with the type of mercenary recruiting that's going on with NIL or whatever you want to call it, paying players, and the portal, you know, it's free agency. It's it's not. I, I think I think that my takeaway is you can still pay kids through NIL or other means, but you better make sure if you're a program, if you're a coach, that that they're that they're most of your kids are culture. Yeah, buying into the culture. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. Exactly right. Or you're just gonna have like, especially with kids this um, young, it's so easy to fucking. You know, if Pinocchio taught us nothing, hello, 
it's easy to convince little kids to do shit. You just promise them candy and cigars. It doesn't mean that they're a fit for your fucking situation. They're easily swayed, is my point, Hammer. That locker room can turn in a heartbeat if you get one leader who's a dirtbag or one magnanimous player who everybody likes to follow and he's doing fucking burnouts in the parking lot and smoking weed in the locker room. That's your whole fucking team. Boom. Gone. That's your whole culture. Done. All that shit you worked for, over. Done. Because you had to have that kid. I think it's much more it's much more important in the college ranks than it is in the NFL ranks to have that kind of cultural fit with your locker room kids, uh, with those leaders on the team. That matters way more. But it's easy to turn that room around. Easy to fuck it up. Yeah, and they're not the only school. No. The, I mean, no. Well, look at what yeah, look at what SMU's got. SM, half the team at SMU try to hit the portal, fucking transfer portal. Yeah, I mean that happened. And they're paying. They got like a minimum salary. It's there. like three grand a month. Kids with a minimum salary. Yeah, so I think A and M gets the headlines because of the recruiting last class last year and how people that follow recruiting get how they got that class, right? Right. It's, it's fucking obvious. Really a secret. No. Um, so we'll see. I I don't know what happens to Jimbo Fisher, man. I mean, are they passing so the hat yet? Are they passing the hat yet, Hammer? I've heard the money's. I've heard the money's been raised. No shit. Yeah, my cousins. My cousin grew up in like hardcore Aggie, uh, Montgomery County outside oh, of Houston. Yeah. He went to UT, but all his friends are like, a couple of them are big Aggie, like guys that got sweets and stuff. And I was at a wedding with him like three weeks ago. And he said that the money's right. Like, they got it. It's just. Breaking news, y'all. The thing is, though, it's it's $75 million to pay off Jimbo. But then you got to get new the coach. rest of the staff. Then you got to get the new staff. Yep. Right? And then I had a buddy that was telling me, too, uh, who's in who's a, lobby, he's a lobbyist. Hey, that, uh, the other problem that he's hearing up at the Capitol is what that if A&M tries to, like, you know, submit for more money to the state oh, yeah. that there's going to be a huge pissing contest over that. Whoa. Even though the, the boosters will fund the buyout, there's still the perception. Bad optics. Bad optics. Yeah. Real bad. It's bad. Optics. Real bad optics. And you saw the university of Houston just lobby the state to tap into their, uh, the state educational fund to fund Houston to the same levels that they do Texas and Texas a which, which by the way, good fucking luck. Good fucking luck. But Wait, what the University mean? of Houston is lobbying the legislature in the state of Texas to ask them to hit the state fund, the same state fund that they give to uh, A&M and UT to open that up to the University of Houston. So so my the buddy I was mentioning that's a lobbyist, he, t- he told me a month ago that there were several tech even Baylor, even though Baylor wouldn't be able to get any of the money, and U of H alumni in the state legislature Uh-oh. that were going to do that. Uh-oh, you're kidding. Be- because, yeah, well, some of it was because they're butthurt over, you know, us going to the SEC, probably A&M to a certain extent, too, you know, 10 years ago. They're trying to get the mineral rights right. cut. Right. That, I mean, UT and A&M both have it. UT's is substantially more. Larger. than. I mean, UT's now is close to Harvard's endowment because of that. Because of the mineral rights. Because of the mineral rights, yeah. 
So I, this is just so I love the drama. Me too. Like it's so it's so great. Remember, I love that people care about college football that much that they're passing bills. Well, it it crosses it crosses party lines. It crosses party lines in the Texas legislature. Like yeah, like, your Democrat or Republican don't fucking matter when it's fucking A and M versus UT. Like they're 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 bipartisan in their hate for each other. I guess I should say. Welcome to Texas, bitch. Um. By the way, can we talk about Saban? Did you see what happened with his wide receiver, Burton? Yep. We talked to that about a little, little about that last podcast. We did, but did you see Saban's press conference? Didn't he? Well, I think I saw like he said that we're going to handle that. No, internally. no, 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 no. He did. He said yeah. that in the beginning, and then his next press conference, Jermaine Burton was scared. It is frightening to be on the field with fans rushing it. He was afraid for his safety, so he had to do what he had to do. He lashed out and had to hit a woman who was already passing because of the fear in his heart. And that's just all there is to it. And there's not going to be any suspensions or any kind of uh, uh, demerits handed out by Saban. Because Mr. Burton was afraid for his life. Jermaine Burton was scared. And that's why he did what he did. That was Saban's... Full-fledged, in front of everybody, excuse for what Jermaine Burton did. Mm. Yeah. No. I, I I don't know how much longer we're supposed to, like, you know, play saving as God and all this other bullshit. But this is in such an easy win for him. Like, I don't know why he doesn't just say you're suspended for a week or you're sitting for the first half. You sit him for the first half, people would leave you alone. But you're you're literally making shit up. I mean, we have to sit here and listen to him and be like, okay, yeah, Nick Saban. Yeah. Nick Saban's not a good guy. Everybody wants to think he's a good guy. He's not a good guy. He just he wants to win. He's a psychopathic winner. That's all. And his team, guess what? This year, eh, he he's got some holes. He's got some holes in him. So a team where he needs wide receivers more than anything, he's definitely not sitting Burton for anything. He hit a woman. He hit a fucking woman. On TV. We all fucking saw it. And your excuse is that he was afraid? That's your fucking excuse? Is your five-star fucking wide receiver was afraid for his life, so he had to hit a woman who was already past him? He didn't even hit the woman in the fucking mouth, like in front of him. He waited as she was passing, and he hit her in the side of the fucking head. Like a piece of shit. And we're all just supposed to be, oh, yeah, next time. How much longer? How many more fucking years we got to put up with this bullshit? Pretending like he's a better man than he is. He ain't. He ain't a good man. He's a piece of shit like the rest of them. Take him off that ivory fucking tower, y'all. He's a dirtbag. He ain't better than you. He's worse. Yeah, it's pretty bad. It's pretty fucked up. Your player hit a woman, and you're just, you know, I mean, come on. It wasn't Joe Mix. Ah, I think it's it says, says a lot about, yeah, I mean, it says a lot about the integrity of Nick fucking Saban. Exactly. Quite and right. that program, Nick Saban. I mean, and he represents the program. And if you, you sign off on that type of behavior, what does that say to your, your players? What does that say to your recruits, to their parents? Right. I mean, I think some of them don't care. A lot of them don't, but I don't know, man. I mean, I want to win, but I also don't want, you know, I mean, I remember, we kicked a kid off who, I mean, this is Charlie Strong for 
some some girl said that this dude and he was a really good player beat beat her up and we kicked him off the team and it came out in court that he didn't do anything. Right, right. She lied. She admitted she lied. And I felt like I think that was still the right thing to do. You, you got to I mean, hindsight twenty twenty. Well, of course, but you got to set a fucking but, standard. You got to set a standard at some point, dude. Like you got you got to yeah, set a standard. Like don't hit women. Like, well, that was one of Charlie's big <laughs> I mean, things. Like you don't disrespect women. Like if you fucking hit a girl or you fucking violate a woman, you're off the goddamn team. Period. Full stop. And I, you know, I think a lot of people would be okay with that line in the sand. A lot of fans. Like yeah, all right, I'll get on board with that. That's not. A, that's not. I'm not. I'm saying you're not making leaps and bounds here. That's a pretty low fucking bar, dude. Well, I hope as we move to the SEC at oh, some point Jesus. that we don't lower right. at, at least taxes that we don't lower our standards to uh, to compete. I'd I'd hate for that. I mean, I would too. That would make me sick. That make me sick. Speaking of sick, we got some questions here. Um, and then we're going to get to the voicemails, but r- real quick, question number one, uh, this is from a senior anonymous. Um, all right, here we go. This is a long one, Amber. Get buckle up. This is a voicemail or this is a, this is an email question to Shane Irving one okay. at gmail.com. Um, my buddies and I have been going over to a house for the past 10 years to watch Sunday games with a six TV basement setup. Sound familiar, Hammer? As the years have passed, over the last couple, more and more people get invited over that are strangers from another one's work, a relative, a wife wanting to invite their girlfriend's husband, blah, blah, blah. I don't claim to know anything about football, but a good portion of them are absolute doofuses and dweebs when it comes to sports. The types that jizz in their pants when LeBron tweets anything with emojis, the types that think if you look at the quarterback the wrong way, it should be a flag. The types that think their kicker and fantasy missing an extra point in the first quarter is more important than the action we all have on the game. I've made snarky comments to their face in the past about shutting the hell up, about shit they don't know, but it continues, and I don't want to make it a further issue with someone else's place. It's gotten to the point where I stay home every other week just to stay sane. I assume this point, at this point, a very good thing in my life has jumped the shark. And I need to accept watching football with a roommate. What should I do? Oh man, this is depressing. This is really what way to bring down the room, Senor Anonymous. God damn. <laughs> so you went the last ten years you've been watching games at your buddy's house and everything's going great, and then more and more people start coming over and they suck and suck and suck more and more. And the question is, do I continue the circus? That is watching football with this amazing setup, or do I just give up and watch football with my wife? Oh, brutal! I think, in my own experience, I would definitely get kicked out of that place first. I would definitely burn that bridge, so it's not something left in your head that you can think about while you're watching football with the roommate or at the roommate's house. I would make sure that you made a, a blazing exit. And burned every bridge at that place, so there was no turning back. Um, before I would do anything rash, like sit down and watch football with the roommate. That's where I'm at. So you would eliminate one of the exactly options. right, exactly right. Yep. Take it off the take it off the Completely table. Completely off the table. I would eliminate that. Okay. I would have that would simple. Yeah, it. I'd have one big hurrah, one last hurrah, 
And I was, you know, it'd be more of a, you know, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, you're cool, fuck you, I'm out of here type of type of night. Is there a door number three, or do we just have two <laughs> That's the only two options with your roommate or with people you don't enjoy hanging That's out? That's the only options that I have. Or A or B. I would create an option three. What's that? Um, I mean, for me personally, I mean, you and I used to watch games like yeah, that, yeah. right? We had a whole crew, oh, yeah, yeah. and it was great. And then Beautiful. life happens, and you know, you can't do things like that as much anymore because you're doing, you know, you have families or whatever. You got kids. I don't. You got. I don't watch any game of significance for me with either with any of my teams. I don't. I don't watch with anybody that's not as sick as yeah. I am when it comes to yeah. like. I don't want people commenting. Like I need someone at my level. Yeah, totally. And whether you're betting on sports or whether it's your team, and like you will throw something across the room. Yeah. Right, if something bad happens, like, hey, you got to think about. You can't do that if you're 40 in front of like <laughs> the parents of your kids' friends because it's just it's not appropriate. Right. A and it's B just gonna follow you. That you'll follow your kids wherever they go. Yeah, right. uh, I mean, I went to a game, a, the Alabama game, with they're they're. I mean, we're friends. They're not just like the parents of my kids they are but we've become friends with we went on vacation with them and i i like can't like they were like we've never seen this guy (laughs) 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 i didn't i didn't quite embarrass myself right um, right because i moved to the acceptance stage like halfway through the fourth quarter pretty fast um but yeah i i mostly watched Gains of significant shade by myself. Yeah, same. I don't, and I don't know. I mean, it depends on who your roommate is, but like, my roommate doesn't really watch, like watching football. So if she is there, she's like, you know, doing like on her phone or something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, I say burn it to the fucking ground and never go back. That's what I say. Uh, we got some uh, voicemails here, Hammer. Uh, Producer John, we got a, uh, a Mr. Ryan calling in. Asking a question. Shay, this is Ryan calling you at 12.58 a.m. <laughs> on a Saturday morning from Durham, North Carolina, on the east coast of the United States of America. Amen, and I have a big problem. Um, mm-hmm. My girlfriend, been dating about six years, living together. She made me take one of those quizzes about the relationship advice. Oh, and... One of the questions, you know, was about, it, it wasn't that bad, but one of the questions was about financial stuff. And, you know, neither of us make a lot, but I make a little more than her. And uh, when we go over the quiz together, she says, I'm worried about your sports gambling. Oh, fuck. I didn't even know she, I didn't even know she knew I gambled. So. That's bad. I need some advice. Do I stop? How do I keep it hidden? I got the separate bank account. I got the secret account. I got it all. I didn't know she knew. But she, she, I guess she realized when I'm watching the Duke-Kansas game for the last mm-hmm. minute, something's going mm-hmm. on. So mm-hmm. appreciate the advice. Love the podcast. Thank mm-hmm. you. Oh, 1258, Ryan. 
This is big. This is. I'm glad this came up. So was hey. So Ryan, just by the way, he was in North North Carolina. He was in North Carolina. Was he at the spider hole? Just the rabbit the hole? Was he at the rabbit hole? No, really, yeah, the, the rabbit hole. <laughs> Ryan, let us know if you know about the spider. Ryan, hole. let us know. Let us figure out what this club this is. Weirdo, dirty dancing DJ spot that I walked into <laughs> with a funny. Boy. All right, he seems like he's got a serious problem, and I think you might be able to he, help. He's him. fucked, but I can help. So this is something I deal with on a week-to-week basis, right? So the roommate knows me and knows I've always gambled ever since before, you know, since I was a kid, right? But I've told her things are, you know, I don't do it anymore. I got kids. I got this. I got that. Yada, yada, yada. And the only way that I've been able to get over this is that I blame it on the podcast, right? So I'll, she'll be like, why are you so fucking fired up about a South Alabama versus Troy game on a Thursday night. And I'm like, wow, well, because of the podcast, I picked South Bama and I really got a, and that's been my cover. And maybe that's the only reason we're doing this podcast again. I don't know. But the, the reality is, is you have to watch, you have to be a fucking trained thespian. You got to be an actor. You cannot allow your emotions to bubble to the surface. If that means you watch it on your phone on the side and you just watch the box score on Sportstacular, so be it. But you cannot let her know when Ball State misses a field goal in the second quarter to not hit the first half over. You cannot flip the fuck out or look like you care. You just have to watch the game to watch the game. You are a student of the game. That's all you're doing. And now that she already knows you gamble, now you have to come up with a reason to quit gambling. So something bad has to happen to you. Something really bad. Like you got to know somebody whose bookie shows up at their work or, or fucking blows their car up or they lose their job over it. You have to have some kind of traumatic event to make you not gamble anymore. Whether it's you knocking her up or her losing her job. Something bad has to happen that you can sell to her and say, this is why I'm going to stop gambling. Meanwhile, you just keep gambling. You just do it with better acting skills. But you have to have something shocking something jarring something unexpected has to happen for you to get out of this fucking get out from under this rock really that's your only hope brother yeah he's fucked i don't know i think he's, he's fucked. fucked uh we got another one here uh producer well what? i think brian should just start a podcast <laughs> That's probably the answer. Ryan is our North Carolina correspondent from here on out, and we have. I am a chorus. I'm a correspondent for the Shan Irving Media Network. I have to watch. The, I have to watch this game. I have to watch it live. Tweet it. That redneck yelling on Dan. <laughs> Who's that maniac? A fucking prick. Uh, yes, uh, you have to do it. Good luck, Ryan. Uh, Producer John, we got the anonymous Longhorn call. Hammer, you're gonna love this. Uh, let's hear it. Shay, Hammer, what the fuck is going on with the Longhorns? couple questions. Is Quinn Ewers laying all of his NIL money on the Oki Light money line? And is Sarkeesian turning into the new gym? Mm. Why in the fuck is Quinn Ewers throwing the ball 49 mm. times when Bijan is averaging six yards Good. a run and Johnson is averaging 14 yards Good. a run? Run the damn ball. Three and 17 on your third down efficiency? Give me a break. Give me the two best running backs in the country and a double-digit lead, 
and I'll win eight out of ten games, and I'm just a washed-up old yeah. lineman. Get it in where you fit in. Out. Hammer, the man brings up some pretty goddamn good points. I, I did want to mention that. The mm-hmm. second-half run game from the Longhorns was pretty fucking weak. Uh, it could not get anything going. I mean, what was that strategy about? Uh, well, I think that, first of all, Sark likes – Sark is loved to get in, like, second and eight and then run the ball for two yeah. yards. And when he – so he throws play action or something on first yeah. down. And then he'll run inside zone on second and eight. He'll get – so it's second and ten, right, because he missed the shot downfield. Yeah. Because Quinn Ewers took ayahuasca the night before. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> and then, right, maybe that's what happened. I, dude, yeah. I asked you if he was hungover. I fucking asked you. I was like, is he hungover, dude? Like, it fucking feels like he's hungover. I, does he not like, uh, does he party? Is he a partier? If he parties, doesn't he? He has to party. I don't, I think he's down with JC pretty much. No, hard. not with so, that hair. I don't, yeah, yeah, he is. No, he is. He, he's. I think he's pretty down with JC, but that doesn't mean he doesn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, do of things. course. But um, no, I think the reality is uh, Texas run game and stats are inflated a little bit. When so, as an example, in the Oklahoma State game, they had two rushes that were a hundred yards, and then the, they had thirty other rushes that totaled a hundred yeah. yards. You know, yeah. so they had two two really long two fifty yard runs. runs. Yeah, they had a yeah two fifty yard. So I I know I hear what you're saying. I think that teams realize they they know what we're gonna like. They stacked the box. I mean, they stacked the box. He even ran into the box a he few did. times, right? He did. I also think that he can't not go downfield. It's like count more similar. Like he can't just throw like a five yard out like he has to take shots even when this quarterback doesn't have it and when you do that and you you get behind the chains like it it removes your opportunity to run the ball because you need the yards but i i hear it i think i what my solution would be not necessarily run the ball more but get the ball in their hands they tried a little bit. They tried a little bit. Of, they tried a little bit of that in the second half with Bijan. They did. They tried. I mean, I I think he tried. I mean, he, I mean, Quinn Ewers hit Bijan in the back of the head. Yeah, that was bad. That was <laughs> At bad. least once. But that was again um, them not being on the same page. It just looked like they didn't practice together all fucking week. It was the weirdest shit. Well, so to the caller's point, the la- there was a drive in the fourth quarter where we ran the ball all the way down to their like thirty. And then it was like, you know, three chunks downfield. They missed Worthy on that wide open touchdown pass. Where he stumbled? The one where he stumbled? Where he stumbled and then we missed the the shank field goal. But yeah, to the caller's point, like, they should have just kept running on that drive. But UT's offensive line isn't that good to just dominate, run people over, is what I'm saying. Not that defense. That's probably the. Outside Alabama, the best defensive line. We've they got ever. a pretty damn good defensive line. That's not. There, there's no line. They got yeah. some big boys there. There's no line there. So, so you got to get the ball in both their hands more. I just don't know if you can do it 
through rushing the ball as much as we think we can, given some of the inflated stats. Whatever, voice of reason, fucking asshole. Dude, first off, I mean, let's all get real. That Oklahoma game is a complete fucking farce. Well, OU's not good. Oh, well, OU's a down year. They didn't have a court. They were running wild. (laughs) Then they base they gave up. They did. They quit. In the third quarter of the game. That's true. They quit. So yeah, our our you know, our our stats and I think that really people said, Oh, well maybe eight and four, seven five is not even club. Maybe we should be a ten win team when Oklahoma flat out <laughs> gave up. They quit. They right? fucking quit. That's what I think happened, Shades. Expectations shifted after that game. And everyone said Quinn Ewers is the greatest quarterback since Joe Montana. He looked and so good. We He did, but but we we adjusted to the mean of what the nature of having a freshman quarterback is and all the other stuff that young teams that are rebuilding go through and what do you know we're a eight win maybe shit it might be a seven win don't team say that. Don't say that. seven wins is gonna be a big fucking disappointment for yeah. me big time yeah all right whatever uh you got anything else uh only thing else yeah. i have is i'm really happy that sam ellinger <laughs> how great Your is that boy. man I mean, it should be it should just be my boy. If people knew what that kid fucking has gone through in his life, I mean, everybody probably saw. But the dude loses his dad when he's a kid, who was like his hero, drowns in a triathlon in the middle of the San Francisco Bay, swimming Alcatraz, has a heart attack, and then his first year in the NFL, his little brother dies of drug overdose. Yeah. I mean, he's such a great kid, too. Thank God, thank you know? God he is. I mean. Remember that picture of him the year of the – this was the downfall term, Tom Herman, the whole Eyes of Texas thing where after the OU game, oh it's just Sam out there yeah. and, like, two assistant coaches singing the Eyes of Texas. I was like, I love yeah. this kid. Yeah, that was that – was... So, anyways, that, I just – I think that's a cool story. They're sitting Matty Ice. They're benching him for the year. Young gun. How often does that happen? Where they just say, hey, you're done for the rest of the year. For the rest of the year. That's after very, very we just paid the shit out of you, bro. Dude, these these teams are, oh, I mean, look at like Russell Wilson. I mean, this is, <laughs> it's getting ridiculous, man. There's going to be a huge like blowback from the owner's class of paying guaranteed contracts from here on out. There's him say, fuck it, fuck it. Especially with quarterbacks, not doing it, ain't doing it, won't do it. Fuck off. Oh, man. Well, hey, I got to run to the uh, grocery store. It's closing 18 minutes ago. I got to pick up my groceries. Yeah, get your shit together, would you? All All right, right, man. Get it in, y'all.